tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we're traveling around the world to talk to creative practitioners. And today we're talking with German-born, German-educated Reiner Lom, who lives in Atlanta now. Reiner, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mark. Reiner is the author of a great book called Aspire, The Seven Essential Emotions for Leading Positive Change, No Matter Where You Are. It's going to be a great conversation about really turning what we often think of emotional intelligence. So too many people have called these soft skills, but they're really hard skills to influence our creativity and innovation. Reiner, how, how have you seen these emotional skills influence people's innovative skills? That's a, that's a great question, Mark. I have been leading organizations and innovation for, for, for decades. And I, for the last uh, 10 to 15 years, I have been coaching leaders, uh, coaching entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, uh, community leaders to create a better future and whatever the area they care about. And we assume here creating positive change for, for the better of humanity and for the stakeholders uh, people care about. You know, it might be their children, it might be their employees, it might be their clients uh, and so on. So everybody has something they care about that's otherwise they, they would not do what they're doing. And so your listeners can just imagine right now what their key audience is. They, they, they want to improve. And so me as well as, uh, as I've been innovating, I had always the, the people in mind whose life I want to improve. For many years, it was in the technology area like IT. My clients and target clients were IT professionals whose life I was improving with my innovations and those of my teams. And now when I coach, obviously, I'm trying to be creative and improve the lives of the people who I coach. Well, exactly. And I think our listeners, and you referred to it, Reiner just didn't write a book of philosophies. He wrote a book sharing his experiences in uh, IT and software development, especially at HP and Hewlett Packard. But Reiner, how did you begin to piece together these seven uh, emotional you know, skills in a model? You know, yeah. rather than just saying, here's some things to be creative, you really yeah. decided to piece it together in an actionable model. Yeah, so, so there were multiple uh, factors that played a role or the things that challenges that informed this process. One was uh, leading innovation, leading uh, the creation of new products, new services, of solving problems. The other one is leading people, leading organizations. And in those processes, I observed always like, what are the behaviors that are necessary? Like when you talk about a creative process, what behaviors do you want to see people show? Leading people or leading innovation? There's a set of, of key uh, leadership behaviors, such as, for example, that, uh, you know, basic assumptions that people care about what they are creating, right? They care about the audience. They care about their clients they want to serve or they care about the employees uh, they want to lead. Uh, so that's the basic foundation. Uh, but building on that, there are other behaviors such as to serve their needs. It, there's a commitment that needs to exist there. We, then we talk about servant leadership. There is about understanding the issues. These are all behaviors, right? Kind of 
understanding the complexity of what we're dealing with. If I want to transform a, an existing system like the healthcare system or a, a specific, um, you know, like this pandemic, I need to understand it, right? So these are behaviors. And so I can build a whole chain of behaviors that are essential for a leader to, to really master, to, to have that skill set. But those behaviors are driven by the emotions. Now, this runs like a for many people, many people assume emotions are very automatic and I cannot do anything about. So many of us have grown up about in the corporate world, in the educational system, not even learning about emotions, right? That has changed over the last 20 or even 30 years. So that enters now the leadership skills. So what I did is uh, I looked at the, the seven essential leadership behaviors for creating positive change, for leading a positive change, and then match them, what is the core emotion that drives that behavior that I can cultivate? And the premise of this book is actually, everybody can create change, no matter where you are. In order to create change, you need to change behavior, behavior of others, you need to influence behavior of others. But first, foremost, in order to do that, you need to change your own behavior. That's so strong. (laughs) And as I read some of the stories and anecdotes that you weave through the book, again, showing you know, some of your own experiences. Of course, I couldn't help but reflect on some of mine. I always felt like I got high scores on things like optimism and you know, positivity. And these are the, some of the skills, even empathy and compassion. But in my 360 reviews, and then as a business owner, I always, struggle's a strong word, but the, the trust factor you know, always came up. It's like, what, what are you, what's in it for you? You know, and are you appreciating what's in it for me? And can we trust each other? Uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough one for some people, isn't it? Yeah, it, I would say trust. Uh, no, overall, there's a, more than 250 emotions. Uh, and yeah. I boiled it down to the seven essential emotions for, for this purpose of leading positive change. Trust of those seven is one of the most complex I found. And there have been books written about it. I have some colleagues that just focus on building trust. But trust is... The, the, is the, the most essential uh, emotion for creating healthy relationship, right? For uh, collaborating, for working together, for couples staying together, <laughs> for uh, uh, children and, and their parents having a, a positive relationship, but also for, for managers, uh, uh, you know, why people want to join a team why people want to join a company, why, um, you know, why would people want to collaborate together. And, and in the book, I'm writing about even some big changes in the world, like the fall of the wall, you know, and, and things like that. And then the reunification of Germany, which would not have been possible without creating trust between the leaders involved uh, in, in, in doing so. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a major uh, thread throughout the book is the example of the East and West Germany reunification, the fall end of the wall, and the building of trust, as you say, between Helmut Kohl and Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, Why was this historical reference uh, important to you as you wrote the book and how you saw it, you know, sort of weaving its way through these emotional stories? Yeah, those those changes really touched me deeply because I I grew up in in a divided country in, in Germany. I grew up in the western part, near to pretty close to the border to East Germany. So I grew up in a divided country. Um, the uh, there's two there's two um, reasons why I brought this into the book. One is it's a metaphor also for the division 
we experience today. Uh, uh, I live in a new country in the United States. And again, I live in a divided country. It's not divided by bricks or by fences, physical barriers, but it's divided by emotions. So emotions can be both a driver of positive behavior, but they can also be a barrier. So for example, resentment, distrust, and we talked about trust before with each other, like anger or even hatred, as we have seen in some of these mass shootings, divide the country. And the big issues that we have in the world, the challenges we're all facing, this pandemic is just an example, this economic crisis, the inflation, the climate change, you know, the economic division, racial division, and so on, they require us to work together. So we need to bring people together. We cannot collaborate. We cannot collaborate on those issues. We cannot solve them if you don't collaborate on the issues. And back to the divided country, I grew up is saying, in order to create a better world uh, for our children and, and, and grandchildren and for future generations, we've got to collaborate. And in order to do that, we need to create an emotional shift. Now, for the reunification to happen, between uh, Gorbachev and Kohl to agree on that, it required them to build trust which is, which is uh, with each other. They, they started out with distrusting them like nobody could distrust them more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? it, it started out very badly, like uh, Kohl, not, not even knowing Gorbachev, had insulted him publicly in an interview long before he know, knew him. And, and, and Gorbachev hesitated to meet even with him because he, he because of that insult, and it took actually quite quite a lot of uh, work from on Cold side to apologize and to get even a first meeting. Now the trust building process started with that they had to get to know each other as human beings, which they put a lot of effort in before they even negotiated anything of substance. Uh, in my in my leadership roles, I, I manage large global teams. Um, and people around, you know, from people around the world, different cultures and so on. And there were uh, issues of distrust. So, uh, but I needed people to collaborate. And I, I knew because people would talk to me about their distrust to others, somebody else on the team. I trusted those people because I, I, I knew them better. Um, but in order to build that trust, I need to bring people together frequently so they have a chance to get to know each other as a human being. Well, isn't it's that just interesting, a... too, because we do bring those sometimes cultural biases. Look, even to the conference room table, as you say, you know, all the Japanese will act like this. All the Germans will act like that. All the French will be like this, as if there's some, you know, umbrella you know, behaviors but uh, you, you really hit the nail on the head when you say, if we get to know people as people, you know, we, we do recognize uh, their personal strengths, their personal you know, uh, interests and get to know them better, don't we? Yeah, there's also, you know, at, 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 a, at a basic human level, more, more, we have more in common than, uh, than differences. Mm -hmm. Obviously on the surface, what we observe, the behaviors that are external cultural behaviors, what we wear, what we eat, uh, how we talk, how we behave, if you're on time or not on time, these are conditioned. Uh, they, they are behaviors that are conditioned by the environment where we co-op. So these are cultural things, but, but at a deeper human need, the needs we have, we, we are not really not different. And so when we connect at that uh, level, 
So give you an example, two team members, they, they couldn't stand each other. But once they got together, I, you know, I created always some activities that people get to know each other, like cooking together was one of one of them. I remember that was like people cooking together for one day uh, and then enjoying the meal together, having a glass of wine, you know, getting relaxed and getting to know each other. And suddenly they found out, oh, so we both have children. We care about um, we, 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 <laughs> we have to work and we have to take care of our families. We have both parents um, who are getting older and they have health needs and we need to take care of them. And suddenly they, 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 they got to know each other at a different level with the, the same needs and there was not so much difference than they thought. And, and then suddenly that transferred over to the work environment as well that now they saw each other as a human being that were like, like each other. I mean, there's big historic Examples uh, that where these kind of um, changes happened to people that were shooting each other and suddenly they stopped shooting, like in First World War. I remember War. that story, yeah. Right, you know well, that story. Is, so yeah, my guest is Reiner Lom. He's a technology executive by trade, but now the author of a terrific book on essential emotions for leading change. Reiner, you're, you're also touching on something that, you know, there's this phrase that says, well, you know, it's not personal, it's just business. You know, and more and more people are embracing now, well, it's more than business, it is personal. You know, how do we bridge these, you, you've touched on this sort of lightning bolt uh, concept of all our political divide, our, you know, very emotionally charged disagreements over some sort of fundamental issues. But how do we bridge those gaps, whether it's in business or whether it's in community or organizations of any kind? Yeah, I, I come back to what I, what I said actually before. I mean, like the, this divide is the political divide is especially um, I've never had seen it worse than, than it is right now to a point where people distrust each other uh, uh, and uh, even to a point where they hate each other, no? kind of the, on the extreme side. But, but I, I would again suggest, and I have seen examples of that, when people can to get like, let's put the politics for a moment inside, the ideology for a moment inside, and let's talk about about what we really care about. So let's say you have two like family men, like or, or women or, or couple, and 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 the things they have to deal with on a daily basis, you know. Um, like I, I heard a story of uh, somebody like you know not sleeping well during the Trump years, okay because they were afraid something bad would happen. Now I heard the same story from somebody else that does not sleep well right now during the Biden years. Now, these are two, these were two men. They have the same experience emotionally, just with, in, in a different context of leadership, mm -hmm. right? Now, if they would talk together <laughs> saying, okay, we, we want to sleep better. So what would make us sleep better, right? Yeah. What is it in the deep human level that makes us worry about the future, right? So they, are, they have a concern for the future. What I always found, uh, Mark, is in, in also in disagreements, people that couldn't stand each other in the workplace, it was typically at a lower tactical level. So if you go high at the aspirational level, in, in a higher human need, you go high enough, people can find something they agree on. Because if let's say, if we would say, okay, we want to all have a livable planet, mm -hmm. right? We probably could agree on that. 
Okay. If we we not we don't talk about how to get there yet. Yeah. We're saying we want to have a livable planet for our children. We probably can all agree on it, unless there's some mental health issues, right? Where people are, you know, have some other issues. But let's say normal, mentally healthy people that are caring, that empathy, that have uh, care about the future, saying, okay, we live in a healthy planet. Not talking about how to get there, but then we can actually go down and we can talk about each issue of how do we want to live on this planet. You talked about creativity. What kind of future do you want to create? Right. So the, the higher we go, the easier it is to get, get an agreement. Uh, I have an example I, I shared a while ago. It's kind of, let's say you have two people on an island. They, are, uh, they have different ideology. Normally, they would not work together. Now they land on an island they, and they, they know that only when they collaborate together, they will survive. Mm-hmm. What would they do? Would they, would they kill each other or would they work together? So I, my theory is that they would work together and there have been experiments <laughs> where things like that happen. Oh yeah, it's a strong exercise. It's a great analogy. Right? Yeah. Uh, so ideology would, that would actually be put aside for the reason of we want to survive and thrive together. I'd love to talk about your own creative process too, Reiner, uh, specifically in writing this book, uh, how you began to organize these seven essential emotions and how you began to create the stories, the examples, uh, and so forth in writing the book. How did you approach things? Yeah, so this was my second book, and and I uh, used a very similar process. So I'm a practitioner, and I'm also an avid reader and researcher. so, so my the, the, the book and, and the, the, the things that went into the book, the, the, the skill sets, the, the emotional competencies, the behavioral competency is based on both it's, 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 it's based on research decades of, of research in, in emotional psychology and in behavioral psychology and in organizational psychology, but it's also based on my own practice. So my own practice is I, um, in leading change, in innovating, uh, I always used the framework. I, for example, I co- collaborating. I collaborated with with an innovation company, Blue Earth Network, a, a colleague of mine who's also in the book, uh, Yudian Jada, UJ is his name. And uh, when we when we help clients to to be innovative, uh, he typically would look at the innovation process, and I look at the behavior and emotions. I looked at the people side in order to support that process. What are the skills that people need to learn? And so I mapped them along the, the change process along, and I mapped them to other change processes as well. So you see in, at an append, in, as an appendix in the book, you see other leadership frameworks. Um, and I mapped it uh, to those leadership frameworks and uh, several of those leaders that created them like Ken Blanchard and, and uh, Robert Quinn and so on, they were involved, they were advisors um, and, and UJ, um, Yudian Jatar as well, who created those frameworks were also advisors on writing the book. So I organized them along those change processes. How does a, need, a leader need to think about and what at a specific leadership situation Let's say you talked about creativity. Now we come from understanding an issue. We're empathizing. We're caring about it. We're committed to serve that need. Now we're coming to finding solutions. What is the emotional state I need to be in or the whole team in order to be creative, to come up with as many solutions as possible? And then what emotion do I need in order to decide on a specific one that I want to pursue? 
right? And then how, what is the emotion I need to feel when I want to execute, for example, to collaborate and uh, what emotions do I need to feel when issues come up, like adversities or, or setbacks, the behaviors in order to overcome them is resilience, right? What kind of emotions do I need to feel in order to be resilient? So that's kind of was the process, very practically driven, but also academically or based on research that these things really work. They have been proven to work and I applied them. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I like the rigor of the references and uh, the scientific research behind these things. Well, quite specifically, give us a look behind the curtain of when you were writing it. Were you using any specific, uh, I see you have your whiteboard behind you, index cards, uh, napkins, you know, document management, sir. Yeah. <laughs> How were you organizing this into the manuscript? Yeah, wonderful. This is, I don't know, we're talking about creativity. Yeah, right? we, we got to get down to the literal. <laughs> uh, yeah, down to, uh, uh, to, to, to how to do it. So whiteboard is a big uh, part of mine. I always work with whiteboard. I um, I also, uh, there's, there's two things. There's one being creative in the office and there's uh, what other environments do I need to be in, be in in order to be creative, right? So in the writing process, let's say uh, I end the day with, with a challenge that I don't know how to write about it. It's an example, it could be the end of the week or it could be the end of the day. And I would I, I would go like, let it sit. I mean, I may, maybe I write it down on my whiteboard or I write it on a sheet of paper. When I'm out in nature, I might like type it into my uh, note notes pad on, 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 the, on my uh, smartphone, wherever I am. I use the tool that is available to me there so that that doesn't get lost. So I catch the, the idea in that moment. Uh, and so back to your creativity, I think changing the environment helps to be creative. Helps. So let's say if I'm in, in, locked in my office and I don't make any progress and I go on a bike ride or I go on a swim or I'm going to walk in, in, in the woods, in the forest, I'm a big nature lover. Or I listen to music or I have a conversation with a friend or dinner, whatever it is that brings me out of the environment that suddenly creates a shift that's kind of, it's running in the background. Um, and so from a creative process, um, I catch then, I make sure I don't lose the idea when it comes and I take it back into the manuscript then. Um, I'm a big um, believer in revisions. I'm a big believer in uh, 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 getting feedback and and uh, advice from other people. Saying how does that how does that work for you? Uh, so there's a there's a broad in the book. There's all the people I give acknowledgement. There's a very large group of people, very diverse people, age wise, ethnicity, culture, uh, experiences from different worlds that have been part of this process. Now this book was a spe specifically long process, seven years from the first sketching out uh, the model on, on a whiteboard to, um, to finishing the book. But there was really a, maybe more like a three-year intense process of writing mm -hmm. the, last, the last three years during the pandemic, especially. Yes, that's how it goes with our creative ideas sometimes. There's this uh, almost gestation period, isn't there, where we're letting things percolate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, this is something it's like, you know, one is like for me to be the product that I, would like for me, that was a 500 or 600 page book. Mm -hmm. But then I talked to Ken Blanchard and, and Ken said, he read the manuscript and he said, Rainer, who is this book for? 
is it for academics or is it for practitioners? And I said, well, for practitioners, but I like the recognition of academics as well. <laughs> he said, that's not going to work. He said. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot. <laughs> so yeah. I said, I was ready to publish. No? And, and he's well, Ken Ken Blanchard said, well, is you... the king of the 50 page book. He's not he's exactly. Not he, do so he gave me specific advice. I said, Ken, I don't know if I can do it exactly. I can go down to that. <laughs> small set and and like the the simplicity and so on that is in in, in, in and also the beauty in that mm -hmm. uh, but i think I, I i i so i spent another year to uh to rewrite the book from like a 500 version to like a more 200 uh, page uh, a version that is more digestible and more for practitioners where i took out a lot of the the research uh, mm -hmm. references and things like that. So I found a compromise. Yes. Well, <laughs> also I know, I know the listeners will benefit from that story because uh, <laughs> sometimes we think of it, we don't just go with the first idea we have. We have to do a little bit of uh, fine tuning and revision. Yeah, and, uh, I, I think that take the time testing to get it, it just right. Yeah, testing it again, I use this in the innovation process. It's like, so you have a prototype of whatever you built, like your entrepreneurs among your listeners. Uh, or entrepreneurs as well, the, the people that start businesses within a company, uh, to say like prototype as, as quickly as possible. I did many prototypes of this book and tested it uh, with a broader audience, uh, potential readers, and and I, you know, improved it. Uh, and so that's also what I what when I facilitate innovations, what I do with clients as well. Wonderful. Well, Reiner, can't thank you enough for the uh, conversation. Very actionable, very inspirational. And if I could uh, borrow from your book, very aspirational as well. Wonderful. How can we get in touch with you, Reiner, and uh, learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so uh, people can contact me through my website, reinerlomp.com. Uh, also, if they're interested in the book, it's available on Amazon. So it's Aspire. Um, seven essential emotions for leading positive change and people can also follow me on linkedin uh, i would say that's i have i'm on all many social media platforms but linkedin is the one that i i find most useful uh, for this type of conversations where more people are interested in leadership and navigate uh, to to that platform so linkedin they can follow me there uh, sign up for my newsletter things like that fantastic well my guest has been reiner long reiner thanks for coming on the program you're welcome. Thank you very much. And Mark. listeners, let's pleasure. continue our around the world travels together. As I said, Reiner is uh, German born and educated and started his career, but now lives in the States in Atlanta. We're going to continue our global travels to talk to creative practitioners everywhere about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and most of all, gain the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love.